listening to Nerds on Film with Brian Moriarty, Sarah Ashley, Sean Moriarty, and Roxy Noberry. So two things. First of all, I saw The Room for the first time ever. Oh, God. <laughs> Such a good movie. This movie... <laughs> oh, hi, oh, hi, Roxy. Oh, hi, Mark. I did not hit her. You know what they say. <laughs> I did not. I did not hit her. I, I did, did not. not. Oh, hi, you know what they say. Love is blind. Love is blind. Keep your stupid opinions in your pocket. I want... You, choo, choo, Tommy choo, 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 yeah, choo. you're just a chicken. Choo, 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 choo. It's so um, I, beautiful. Tommy Wiseau oh, Brian, has a so masterful bad. acting technique. It's very simple. You don't make eye contact with any of your scene partners. Nope. And you take all of the inflection out of your dialogue. Oh my god, I'm so glad we're starting the year off talking about this. This movie <laughs> makes Battlefield Earth look like fucking Star Wars. <laughs> this movie makes Cinemax porn look like Gone with the Fucking Wind. <laughs> So there's this theory on the yeah, internet I mean, somewhere that the reason they don't drive anywhere is because there was like a massive earthquake and like post-apocalyptic thing no, that trapped that, them in that, San that Francisco. That's too much credit. Yeah. Uh, it's because they didn't have the budget to actually film anything hey, in a car. And besides, he would have tried to CGI a car anyway. Yeah. Hey, but speaking so just of... trying uh, to give that movie credit. Come on. And uh, it's, just, it's funny because my girlfriend took pictures of me as I was taking oh it and the progression of the expressions on mm, my face is yeah. pretty amazing. Uh-huh. But speaking of... <laughs> But uh, but speaking of Star Wars, since we were talking about, since I made that comparison, Star Wars, Star Wars in space, Nazis in space. (laughs) Not to not to not to be outdone by Star Wars. Mel Brooks announced that there is a sequel to Spaceballs in the works. No, I said that to Sarah today, and she crushed my fucking dreams that I had to send her a sad panda gag. Mel Brooks or Sarah is Is that was that a gag? Was that a gag? It's not. It's not, really it's not really a gag. It's not really confirmed because Mel Brooks has been talking about, he's been joking about doing a Spaceballs 2 for a long time since the first Spaceballs came out. Can it out. be a prequel? Yeah. <laughs> he, he talked about doing Spaceballs 2, the, the search, search for, for more, more money. money. <laughs> As like, yeah, and like they've been talking about the joke since the beginning. It's always been a gag. Now with the Star Wars you know, sequel coming out, yeah, Adam Carolla, they were talking about it on his podcast, and he said, yeah, sure, I'd love to do it. I would love to write that script again. I wouldn't do it if Rick Moranis didn't get on board. Yeah, a lot of things have changed since then. Yeah, it'd be great to do it. That's not a confirmation. Mm. I'm sorry, that's not a confirmation. Fair. That's my wishful thinking. I think I think Rick Moranis... Rick, Mor- what is Rick Moranis will not Rick come Moran- back and do it. Yeah. No, he Why? No, because even he said that he would never go back and be Dark Helmet again because he's just done. He doesn't no, want to so do I characters. I read an article a couple of, like a couple of weeks ago that stated that he, like he would come back to acting, but he's been so busy being dad because of what was. He happening. would come, come back, back to acting. acting we for don't the right need role, Dark Helmet. Dark we'll have a Kylo it. Ren ripoff, like I don't know, Dildo Sven. There you go. It's <laughs> <laughs> gonna Dildo be Sven. <laughs> And he's going to have an even more penis-shaped helmet. No, he'll just be a giant and toupee. And his, his shorts will be quite wobbly. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, Moranis doesn't want to do parts that he's been he's done before. Like, that's the same reason why he's not in Ghostbusters 3. is because he doesn't want to repeat a part that... Well, I also read that, that, that the part that they were going to give him for Lewis Tully was going to be such a cameo like it just didn't make sense for him to come back and do it. Dark, ham- Dark Helmet's not enough for him to come back and do it either. He he said that he didn't really want to come. He said this was a long time ago when they were like, what if they ever did do a Spaceballs 2? Like, this was like back in the 90s and he's like, no. 
Yeah, yeah but just, Star Wars is making so much money that even like ancillary shit like this is going to make so much money they'll have enough money to throw at them. Yeah. Watch. I, I just... A couple more zeros. I really don't think it's going to happen. I want to send Rick Moranis fan mail and just find out where and he And honestly, is. can I say, I don't... As much as I love Mel Brooks, I don't want Spaceballs 2 to happen. I think it was so great on its own and it was such a product of its time that I really don't think that it would carry over. I mean, look look at where Mel Brooks's work went in the 90s. It's not... I love it. It's not as good. Spaceballs was the first movie he did where it wasn't about art. It was yeah. about pure fluff and just gags. And that movie made him the most money that any of his movies has ever made. And because of that, he took a turn and that's why... Robin Hood, Man in Tights, and Dracula Dead and Loving It are as ridiculous as they are. There's no statement he's trying to make. Whereas with Blazing Saddles and with, uh, I mean, High Anxiety and Young Frankenstein, Young Frankenstein, Silent, Silent, movie. Silent, movie. Silent Movie, they're all they all have this kind of purpose. There's all yeah. this, this this statement he's trying to make. Yeah. We talked about it in our last Mel Brooks yeah. episode. Hey, it is Mel Brooks Can you believe it? Now we're back. It's Mel Brooks Back again. Mel is back. Tell, Tell our friends. <laughs> oh my God, back. guys. Jesse's back. Oh my God. Oh, hi, everybody. Oh, hi. On that hi. note, welcome to Nerds on Film. Okay. I'm Brian Moriarty. I'm Sarah Ashley. I'm Roxy Noberry. I'm Sean Moriarty. Back in the Nerd Cave, joining us again this month is, uh, you know, th- this is really, the- this is the entirety of Neuronomy in the same room. It's pretty awesome. It's Except Tommy Sean. Wiseau and... Uh, well, Mel Sean's Brooks. in the room metaphorically. He's on this room, in the room via Skype. But, I'm uh, a floating head like Snoke. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> but um, our Nerds on History co-host, Eric Brickmont. Oh, hello. Hello. Well done. Done. Well done. done. And, Good uh, on you. Martha. And uh, Nerds on Film slash Nerdonomy co-founder, David McGuire. This isn't my apartment. <laughs> no, this isn't your closet, Dave, either. This isn't where I left my car. This is not the podcast you're looking for. Next time Brian not says the podcast when I'm you guys are at home it. together that he's making Cosby cocktails, you'll remember. <laughs> oh, God. You just woke up here, your butt hurts, but you're ready to podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you forget the part where he's stark naked, too. That's the other part. Uh, That's it, the weird part. The, the increasing amount of uh, Huxtable sweaters that Brian is collecting is quite uh, <laughs> quite scary. <laughs> <laughs> You guys, I'm wow. so excited Thanks, to really be getting going into 2016 talking about Mel Brooks. Hey guys, how was your New Year's? Great, good, awesome, great. Let's move on. Uh, Brian, you suck. <laughs> I mean, I'm always excited to talk about Mel Brooks and always excited to kick off Mel Brooks Wary. It's my favorite time. Yeah, and quick little pause. If you don't know what Mel Brooks Wary is, go back a couple years. We have You're not a true fucking fan, so we stop have like, listening. We have like six episodes you on guys, Mel Brooks Wary that you can first listen to. Ever Nerdonomy episode was a Mel Brooks Wary episode. That's right. Which, uh, happy which... two year anniversary. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Ah, feels good. I was going to yes. say, I think this is Eric and mine's very first Mel Brooksuary episode. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Nice. It is. I, I'm trusting you all. Well, I, I don't remember. Technically, this. we covered Young Frankenstein back in for like a Halloween-ish episode. We talked about it tangentially, but that, that wasn't count. a full episode. Yeah. Oh, yeah. then it's my first episode. Yay! Yay! 
But my episode was away. the Young Frankenstein one. Called... But then when we did the real Mel Brooks where Young Frankenstein one. Yeah. What was yeah. it called? Something about espresso, Sean? Oh, I should have made espresso. Or I was going to make espresso. should have made espresso. <laughs> so, yeah. So, just to catch you guys up, Mel Brooksuary is the thing that we celebrate every January. It's a little holiday I started several years ago where starting on New Year's Day throughout the rest of January, I just marathon Mel Brooks movies because I can. Yeah. <laughs> because I can and I love it. Um, and so this month, um, we're actually only going to do one Mel Brooksuary episode, but we're going to be talking about two movies today. Mm-hmm. We're going to be talking about the 1968 producers and the 2005 producers. Get ready for it. Get ready! Good, because I'm going to shit in that 2005. Well, the producers' version. 1968 is particularly important, because that was his first film. It was his first Direct- film. Direct- it was his directorial debut, um, and he also won the Oscar for Best Screenplay. Woohoo! Best mm. Original Screenplay! He wasn't ready for that shit at all, either. He just ran up on that stage and was like... He didn't know anything. Deuces! Yeah, he didn't have <laughs> yeah. any speech planned, yeah. Yeah. He was so shocked by that win. And so, I guess the the kind of the generation of where this story came from um mel brooks when he was 16 years old worked for a producer who straight up banged old ladies <laughs> and got money for plays uh-huh. seriously seriously yeah. he pulled that from real life that was real life and that's they out awesome he worked for he worked yeah. for the super skeezy producer who was a total con man uh-huh. and absolutely banged old ladies and had them write checks out to the name of the play and the name of the play was always cash I'm doing a Johnny Cash biopic again. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, and so he knew he knew for the you know past several years, he's like, God, I have to write this guy into a story. How am I going to do it? So he ends up coming up with a story of Max Bialystok and Leo Bloom, who realize with Leo Bloom's, you know, being the neurotic accountant that he is, he realizes, hey, you can actually make more money with a flop play than you can with a hit. And he kind of poses that as a as a, an accounting theory, <laughs> and Max Bialystok, being the sleazy con man that he is, jumps on it and says, "Let's be like he's like I'm already a failed producer. You're a lazy accountant. Let's just do this. If you got it, flaunt it." Yeah, and he just and they go ahead and just decide to create the worst play you have ever seen, and they find the script for. Springtime for, for Hitler. Hitler. A gay romp with Adolf and Ada at Berchtegaard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. And they find the... They get the writer to join on the writers. Franz Liebkin. Franz Liebkin. One of the greatest characters of his creation. Oh my god. First, but this is babies. That's not babies. This is baby. No, shush. No, you shush. I am the awesome. I'll drink you. <laughs> I just love the part when they like go to like find him and they're like Franz Liebkin he just turns around I was never a member of the Nazi party I was only following orders <laughs> oh beautiful and then he starts singing the freaking German song <laughs> Deutschland Deutsch yeah I'm a Yankee to the dandy. So he gets the he gets the writer on board. He gets the worst director in town. Yes. They find the worst actor. What does he? What does um, what does the director say? It's, I'm supposed to be. Um, I'm supposed to be the Grand Duchess Anastasia, Anastasia yeah. but with this costume, it looks like the Chrysler Building. No, so that was, was that was quote? in the 2005 one. Oh. Yeah, the original wasn't the original. Uh, like the no, unsinkable like, Molly. No, he, said I lo- he said I think someday I look like a tugboat. No, like I think it was unsinkable Molly Brown. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But, but the line that's in both of them is... <laughs> he, was, he was supposed but, to be the unsinkable Molly Brown, but, but he looked like a tugboat. Carmen Gia's <laughs> got the same line exchange in the re- both movies, which is the, 
Well, frankly, with your wig on, you're, without your wig on, you're only half-dressed. Oh, why don't you get it? Oh, wicked, wicked witch, witch of the West. West. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Except they don't, so the, the extended hiss part is only in the 2005 version. Oh, that's true. And the stage show. So yeah. Yeah. And the stage show. Well, this, the 2005 yeah. version is Based a translation of the Based on the 2001 stage show. Stage show. Yeah. yeah. We're, yeah, we're well. getting there, guys. We're getting there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we can't so, wait. So, so, they made a movie. They made a musical. And they made a movie about the musical. Yeah, yeah. like they do. So <laughs> they get the worst director in town. They get the worst actor. Um, and then, surprise, surprise, turns out people love the play as a satirical hit. And they... And because of what, because of Lawrence Sandubois, though. That's the one key thing that the movie has. Lorenzo Sandubois, yeah, yeah. Otherwise known as LSD. LSD. He was this total hippie guy. Love He's power. Like, what's, what's, what's your name? Uh, his fucking audition is so ridiculous. Yeah. It's yeah. great. Why is He's wearing an Andy Warhol soup can around his I, fucking I neck. I love his like thigh high suede boots. Yeah. I want and a little some finger, of tambourine. Yeah. finger tambourine and a, and a bouquet of flowers. Yeah. Where do my flower, man? Where do my flower? That. What, what's your name? Oh man. <laughs> I, I had it a minute ago. What did you do? What did you do? Uh, no, about, about six, six months. months. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I'm clean, man. I swear. Yeah, and then so it's a hit. Then they're like, "Oh shit, we're gonna get caught." Then they try to blow up the theater, and then they end up going to jail, and then they end up trying to do it all over again. So that's kind of the whole plot of the 1968 version, which very closely mirrors the musical and the movie um, in 2001-2005, respectively. But there are some elements that are different, and we'll get into that. Well, but I think the biggest thing, um, you know, that's really interesting is, like, that I love about the 1968 version is really... It's so of its time. Oh, it's a time capsule. Completely. Oh, totally. Yeah. Well, I mean, even, even then, it's even though it's the '60s, it's still, I think, calling back a little bit to the '50s and '40s too. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, <laughs> literally. <laughs> yeah. But uh, one thing, I mean, it's it's really interesting. So let's talk about the casting of this yes! movie. Yes, Zero Mostel, who is an absolutely amazing actor, uh, Fiddler on the Roof, played uh, mm-hmm. Tevia. He was in a Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum. Actually, the first time I ever saw the 1968 producers, my dad and I were spending like a Sunday afternoon watching movies, and we watched this one back to back with the Funny Thing Happened on the Way nice. to the Forum. Which is also Mostel. a translate. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. And he played, like you said, so he played, uh, and he also. So it originated that role on Broadway for both Pseudolus and for Tevia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. He didn't make the play in the, the Norman Jewison film, but right. he played it on Broadway, yeah. He's got a perfect shtick about him. Like, he plays everything as Zero Monstell, but his shtick that he's got he is, overacts. Perf- is yeah. fantastic. Yeah. It works beautifully. He's a beast on the camera. Mm-hmm. And um, apparently he was super self-conscious of his weight the entire film. Sure. Too. Sure, yeah. of course. And it's interesting because, I mean, Mel Brooks had him cast in his mind when he was writing the script right like, but they I, were so contentious with each other the entire filming well Zeroman still was difficult to work with he yeah. just yeah. was notoriously difficult to work with with the exception of a few people so um there was like mm. one he had a thing where he couldn't work past five o'clock Zero Mostel? Zero Mostel. Could not work. He had a thing in his contract. I cannot work past five o'clock. Religious wow. reasons or just because? Just because. Work-life okay. balance. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Boundaries. And Boundaries. so, um, but there was like one day that they were shooting, they're like, if we just shoot for another 20 minutes, we will get this whole scene done. We do not have to do it all over again tomorrow. Um, and so like people were going into his dressing room trying to convince him, can you just work for another few minutes? Can you just work for another few minutes? And he's like, no. And he's like sending people out and they're like running away because he's like screaming at them wow. and there was one guy on set i think he was like a producer and he said 
And he, like, you know, saying this in the special feature, he's like, he and I actually always had a really good rapport and Zero Mostel really liked me. So he's like, I go in and I try and I'm like, look, seriously, just another 20 minutes and you'll save us five hours tomorrow wow. if you just do yeah. it tonight. And Zero Mostel says, yeah, I'm totally going to do it. Just let me le- yell at you for the next <laughs> few minutes and then walk out, seem really scared, and then I'll accept to do it. Because he just oh had this God. persona that he wanted to also appear to be difficult to work with. Oh, really? Yeah. Something- Which is interesting because Gene Wilder said that Zero Mostel took him under his wing mm-hmm. and there was a real mentorship relationship they had throughout the filming yeah with well, gene wilder playing leo bloom yeah, yeah who played the neurotic and accountant. this was also i think it wasn't his first if it was not his first it was one of his it, it was, was his second, second film, film role yeah it was the second because he role. looks like a baby oh, oh yeah. he looks like a baby in this movie yeah big um, blue eyes he was in a sh- he was in a movie called mother jones with ann bancroft who was mel brooks's girlfriend That's at the right. time and um he was he was horribly miscast in this other thing, but Mel Brooks saw something really special in him and said, you are so funny. And he's like, I'm not trying to be funny, but people keep laughing at the stuff that I do. He's like, it's not something that you're trying to do. It's a, it's a God-given talent. You are hilarious. And it's funny you mentioned the Anne Bancroft connection because apparently originally Dustin... <laughs> Do you want to say it? Oh my god, this is my favorite little yeah. bit of trivia. Dustin Hoffman was originally cast as Leo Bloom. Yeah, Dustin Hoffman. No, yeah. no. Was it Leo Bloom or no. was it... Franz Liebkind. Oh, that's oh, right! Franz Liebkind, Franz Liebkind, that's right. Oh my god, the irony. Dustin. Oh, the irony. <laughs> but what happened is that he had an audition for The Graduate, the graduate with Anne Bancroft. And because Anne was married to Mel Brooks at the time, Mel let him go on the audition mm-hmm. because he also realized how horribly miscast that he was as... Yeah, as Franz Lucan. No, no, no. He let him do it because he didn't think he'd get the role in The Graduate. And then he did. And he was like, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I but mean, then they found Kenneth Mars, who is amazing. That happened too. Yeah. And <laughs> Kenny Mars, like, straight up slept in his costume. Yeah. For like five days. It was his idea to have bird shit all over his Yeah, <laughs> like he, he slept for five days in his costume. So half of the reaction that Gene Wilder and Zero Mostel had was like his smell oh. uh, <laughs> when they were dealing with him. Oh and um, what's, yeah, what's really interesting also is that um, one of the original casting choices that he had for Leo Bloom was actually Peter Sellers. Oh, that's right. And oh. Peter Sellers was one of the base advocates yeah. of the film anyway. Because he saw, he saw it in a film screening. Yeah. After the movie had already been made and wasn't really making much money and getting much traction, mm, but he no. saw it and then he became a huge champion for it. But he couldn't do it for whatever reason. He it was really tough too with the original title of the movie being "Springtime for Hitler." Yeah, they oh, shut that's that true. down pretty early, but that gave everybody kind of a sour taste in their mm-hmm. mouth because they weren't ready for that kind of humor. It was like what, like twenty three, twenty four years after World War Two? It wasn't yeah. that <laughs> twenty three years really after the after. surrender. Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. incredible, incredible. Like, I love it. Uh, too soon, guys. Too, too, <laughs> soon. Too, soon. too soon. Oh, wait. Crazy piece of trivia here. So, Springtime for Hitler was the original name for the movie, but that is the name that it was released under in Sweden. Oh, and it shit. had such an effect in Sweden that they released every single Mel Brooks movie after that translated to Springtime for something. So, The 12, <laughs> really? the 12 Chairs was called Springtime for Mother-in-Law in Swedish. <laughs> Blazing Saddles was called Springtime for the Sheriff. Young Frankenstein was called Springtime for Frankenstein. (laughs) And Silent Movie was called Springtime for the Silent Movies. And it kept going. Springtime for the Lunatics is what High Anxiety was called. And Springtime for World History. It keeps going. Springtime for Space. 
Springtime for the slum is what Life Stinks was called. Yeah. Springtime, springtime for, for Robin Hood. <laughs> springtime for Dracula. <laughs> wow. I did not even know that. That's that is amazing. actually really interesting. I, I, yeah, Sweden. I, I guess something. they don't they they don't know how to look up directors, so they just go, okay, it has the same words. In <laughs> oh, the title. he's I'll a, he's it, a springtime it's be director. That guy's movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, fuck you, Sweden. Okay, he's let's a springtime keep director. Going. I recently watched What's an episode from 1965. Of what's my line? Oh, nice! That had Anne Bancroft as the guest ho as the as the person they were guessing. Yeah. And Groucho Marx, and they referenced the fact that she was married to Mel Brooks, and that's the only contribution I have for this episode. Good night. Yay! <laughs> Good job, Eric. Good job. Well, so Mel Brooks, we we've yeah, said it before the other ones, it's but true. let's give. But you know, mm-hmm. this was he had just he had been trying to work as a screenwriter. He had, uh, I mean, by this point, your show of shows was done. Yeah. Uh, completely. I'm pretty sure Get Smart was already... Get Smart was kind of in... in yeah. yeah. So he had done television. He had mm-hmm. done a couple of screen... But this was also his first movie to really go, like, to be often... To, to really be a uh-huh. huge success from as a writing point of view, as not just as a directing point of view, too. Yeah. Um, in fact, I love that when he did win the Oscar, he had, since he had no speech planned, his famous, which is now famous, he said, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to speak from the heart. <laughs> Classic. Uh, yeah. Yay. But it also pissed off um, Zero Monstel because he thanked Gene Wilder like three different times, but never thanked Zero Monstel for the contributions. Yeah. What, what an ego. Yeah. What are you going to do? Yeah. But also, Gene Wilder contributed to help him with the script. Yeah. Because right? yeah. Wilder Thank was also a writer. Thank you to Zero Monstel for always making sure that craft services had no food waste. <laughs> well, I mean, really, the, so the only thing that Gene Wilder really contributed for the script um, was. At, at the end, um, the courtroom scene that they have was actually pretty rushed and was just like, hey, you guys are going to, to prison. They go to Sing Sing and they start doing the, you know, prisoners of love. Um, little montage, <laughs> little musical thing there. But Gene, yeah, Gene Wilder was like, uh, this is this just feels a little too fast for me. So he actually wrote his monologue that he has in the courtroom of this whole thing of, you know, this is what Max Bialystok showed me. And he's in the whole and the whole line where he's like, nobody ever called me Leo before. Yeah. Ever since kindergarten, people have always called me Bloom, you know, <laughs> like that whole like really sweet sentimental part. Gene Wilder wrote most of that. And then he came with the draft to Mel Brooks. They tweaked it up a little bit and went for it. They never ad-libbed. They never really did much in the way of improv. That's just not really how Mel Brooks works um, because he's also very conscious of, of timing and beat, so he doesn't like yes. things to be a little too loosey-goosey. Yeah. Um, and so it was. it's very, very interesting that that's, that's the biggest contribution that, that Gene Wilder had to the script was that he wrote that beautiful little monologue at the end that kind of wrapped it up really That nicely. was the most sentimental part of the whole film. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I yeah. mean, in a way, it really did bring it home because before that scene, it's really just this farce about two guys who are trying to con a bunch of old ladies and fail. Um, but th- that moment really turned it into about really the a building bromance. of, a, of a, brom- a building of a friendship, right? Yeah. And that was also the through line that was the basis for the musical, yeah. too. That was the central part. So much to the point where the final number of the song, Leo and Max, which was added on yeah. for the yeah. show, uh, drives that home. Yeah. And that he earns his producer hat. And I kind of want to, I don't know if you guys agree with this, but, well, it's already kind of mentioned in the 2005 musical, musical, but the sort of homosexual undertones. Let's be honest, there are some moments when Leo looks at Max and they sort of embrace each other in a really loving way. 
where you can't help but think like there is love there, but there's also this sort of like, like kind of crush happening between the two of them as the film progresses. I feel you like know? there's certain elements of it where it's done for for laughs. Yeah. But they also are gushing over Ula too. Yeah, Ula. Ula and Bloom. Bloom. Good day. Good day. Good day. Um. Yeah, the, the, let's talk about Ula for a let's. second. Because oh. this is another, there are like just two parts, I feel, of this movie that Go really that really date it for its time. <laughs> to pre-feminism, you mean? Well, yeah. no, I mean, just, just really date it for 1968. Because in the 2005 version that Dave's seen, Ula actually has a character. Has like a whole yeah, has, character. Yeah. And I don't like it. Yeah. I don't okay. like it. Well, then... She's she's a sexy lamp in the in the 1968 <laughs> version. Really, all she does she shows up. She's because, a hilarious sexy lamp. Oh no, she is hilarious. But like this part where you know, like Max is like they've got they've now raised one million dollars, and Max is like, I just stooped a bunch of little old ladies. I deserve a toy. So he's like, <laughs> I'm gonna go out and buy a toy. He completely revamps the whole office and gets a secretary, and she's Ula. And the Swedish secretary, and he's like, watch her do her trick. And he goes, Ula, go to work. And she goes over, puts on a record, and it's like the most like 1960s go-go little song you've ever heard. And she just starts dancing yep. through the whole thing. Walk to see. Yeah. And she's like, and she's flirting with Max and everything and, and just kind of plays like this ditzy little Swedish doll throughout mm. the whole thing. And it's very very of its time <laughs> yeah totally and she doesn't add anything to the she story she adds nothing other to than the story. comedic relief yeah yeah yep mm-hmm. um but played by lee meredith who if you get the if you get the dvd version of the producers and you watch the special features um they have their little like they have a, like a little thing and it's like here's the opening here's act one here's intermission here's act two like the the behind the scenes featurette and the intermission part is Lee Meredith now kind of like scene by scene, like she's completely redoing her entire role effectively in the intermission, like doing the dance and everything, <laughs> repeating some of her lines. And it's just actually really, really funny to see. That's cool. Yeah. Huh. That's worth so, the purchase. I yeah. Think. And she actually, she got that role. She had like just graduated from the Academy of Dramatic Arts. And they were like, you know, they're casting this movie. They want somebody who could look Swedish. And can you do a Swedish accent? And she just showed up. And, like, she, I guess she had, like, actually gone to the library to, like, figure out how to do a Swedish accent. And then and then came in. And the whole thing of the day, which yeah. is, like, it's actually a pretty, pretty old-timey way to talk. So... Even Isn't in, it actually translating to something Swedish too? Yeah, it's kind of like "Hi, how are you?" Yeah. but in a very, very formal way right. that like people in Sweden don't actually really say that, <laughs> and so it was a little uh, kind of threw people off a little bit, especially yeah. in Sweden. But so but it was huge anyway. in Sweden. But it was I, springtime for Ula. <laughs> They've been waiting for her forever. <laughs> she gets but her revenge. It, it, it's interesting when she went to the library. It wasn't because they had you know books on on you know how to pronounce the accent or what have you they had a swedish librarian yeah there we go um, mm. and again that's my second contribution eric go to work <laughs> and you can just put on a record and dance. <laughs> um, eric is our can you hear my dance eric the you're doing right a now? surprisingly good job you guys can't see this because this is a podcast but he did a really good ula <laughs> oh, look at oh, him. Go shake it, baby. Can I, <laughs> now, that was more of like a Ula if she was at a Pearl 
Jam concert. Strung out on. Well, speaking of Pearl Jam, let's fast forward to the late nineties. Okay, but real quick, uh, yeah, the character of LSD played by Dick Sean, who's absolutely awesome. Yeah, okay, continue. Wait, what'd you call a- me? I have a real contribution. Can I give a real contribution? Sure. Because, yes. well, I'll be completely honest. Um, I've never actually seen the film. Uh, I really want to now, based on what you guys are saying. It looks like it'd be a lot of fun. So I'm it's totally going to watch it. I actually watch it tonight. Um, I did read a really interesting little factoid on IMDb because I'm good at research. Uh, I think you'd be like, I'm good at reading. I can do that. Gene, Gene Wilder, apparently. <laughs> well, Gene, Gene Wilder's... Sorry, that was you reading. I was just. Wait, is that with a Z Don't make game? fun of Eric's reading skills. Gene Wilder. Thank you, Dave. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Apparently, when he first read through the script, he excused himself from the reading because he said that he he had to go to a dentist appointment uh, that he couldn't miss. In reality, he was going to collect a unemployment check that he desperately needed at the time. Wow. For $55. Wow. Wow. No, well, it was 1968. And, and you guys said this is Gene Wilder's Second first movie. movie? Second, Second movie. movie. Second movie. Okay, that's First major crazy. role. Yeah. That's sort of crazy when mm-hmm. you think where, where Gene went after that. That's pretty nice. Well, well he's okay. stuck with Mel Brooks for a couple well, of films. Let's talk that, about this, know. though. So Mel Brooks, after he made this movie and won an Oscar, he was flat fucking broke after this movie. Yeah, he it, was, it took Blazing Saddles yeah. and Young Frankenstein to get to him to get off. him back up on his feet because he did Twelve Chairs too, and that sank. Yeah. That like that tanked. At that movie least, totally at least Gene Wilder had the luxury of being able to become Willy Wonka before yeah. he went into Young Frankenstein yeah. and uh, yeah. did the film. So um, I've and, seen those ones. By other way. couple of two interesting tidbits um, before we move on, real quick. Sorry, um, the musical scene when they do the Springtime for Hitler musical, yeah. which. You know, mirrored a lot in the first one. So they shot that whole thing in one day. Wow. Um, which is huge, considering wow. that most of the time in those big kind of musical scenes yeah. um, in the 1950s, those take like a week to film. Well, there's plenty two, of rehearsals for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, but that so that one took, uh, that one was shot in a day. Um, the One of the showgirls apparently told one of the, so the showgirls in the movie are basically kind of topless and just have like, you know, German things on their tits, like right? Strudel and beer, yeah, and like sausage. pretzels and, pretzel and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Go on. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely watching this. And movie there now. was yeah. there was mm-hmm. one one of the dancers, one of the, she was like a model dancer, and she basically flat out told one of the the casting directors, she's like. I have worked too damn hard to have swastikas on my tits. <laughs> and so they replaced them with black eagles. Um, <laughs> and fucking an, actors. And that song, Springtime for Hitler, was um, written by Peter Davis, who um, ended up doing the music for pretty much every single one of Mel Brooks's movies yeah. up until um, uh, he didn't do... Um, uh, Men in Tights or Dracula Dead Wow. Yeah. Well, so let's fast forward to the late 90s because by that point, the director and choreographer Susan Stroman had made a name for herself on Broadway with the show Contact. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, the Jodie Foster movie? I was going to say, Jodie Foster in Space movie? Mm, yes, Dave. The Jodie Foster. No. So they said that. Aliens are my dad. <laughs> no, it was actually, no, Contact was a heavily choreography based musical. There actually wasn't much singing in it at all. No, um, Aliens are my dad. So. <laughs> At any, at any rate, um, if you didn't already know this, Mel Brooks is a very big connoisseur to this day of uh, Broadway theater. And wine. Up and, until, and up Russian and, literature. Up to the, uh, the up from when he was a little kid. The story goes that uh, there's a knock on Susan Stroman's uh, door 
And when she opens it, Mel Brooks comes marching right in, singing a song from the show, gets on the table, sends it and said, hi, how you doing? I'm Mel Brooks. Uh, and he basically came to her with the, uh, the idea of bringing the producers into musical form for Broadway. And um, yes. Well, and it, I think it's important to point out that since like when the producers came out, like Anne Bancroft just absolutely loved it. And she I mean, she had always been his biggest cheerleader. She was always in his corner mm. and she encouraged him for quite some time. Like every once in a while, she'd bring it up, like saying, you should really turn this one into a musical like that would make a, this this show would make a great stage musical. You should try it. And she passed away. Mm. And David Geffen actually also came up to Mel Brooks and said, you should really make this one a musical. Well, but no, she lived past the producers. She didn't... I think it was Young Frankenstein. Was Young Frankenstein? I think it was Young Frankenstein. She okay. died in 2005 and the okay. producers on Broadway came out in 2001. Then yeah, I have so. my lore wrong. But David Geffen for sure was a, was a cheerleader that said, hey, you should do this one as a musical. Yeah, well, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, so they had gotten, I believe... Um, was it? You said it was Greg Davis? You said it was his name? Peter Davis. Sorry, Peter Davis. I believe that he even partnered with him to... Cause, to to translate the works into notation. Yeah, not really. Um, so from the if you look at the credits for it, um, Mel Brooks gets credit for music and book. Yeah, and, and but, he, didn't, he didn't direct it, but he got the credit for the music. Correct, and books. But, but the the music was him humming into a tape recorder, and then someone taking that and transposing that into. Yeah, because he sure. couldn't read music. I yeah. don't know. I don't think it was Peter Davis though. Okay. Fair. At that point, because Peter Davis had um, was kind of done at that point. Yeah, and so Brooks wrote the music lyrics, mm -hmm. and then he pretty heavily translated the book with a couple of minor changes uh, to the to the the book for the musical. Well, I mean, in the musical, it's no longer set in 1968; it's actually set in 1959. Right. Um. So it's a earlier, yeah. so change it to more of like a 50s kind of like right. kind of post golden age of Broadway type situation. But yeah. what I will say is kind of one of the behind the scenes things that was happening. Mm -hmm. It wasn't Mel Brooks's spouse who was dying. It was actually Susan Stroman's yeah, spouse. That's true. Who had died. And in fact, it was her husband had passed away during the rehearsal process, I believe, mm -hmm. or the pre or the pre-production process of, um, of the show. And it was Brooks who kind of pulled her out of what was obviously a very dark depression. Right. Um, she's quoted as saying that he saved her life actually uh, doing the show. So, um, with all that stuff being said, the show opened with Nathan Lane and Matthew Broderick as the roles of Bialystok and Leo. Uh, and Bialystok and Blue. Bialystok and Blue. To say that it was a success is an understatement. It was it won it, 12 Tony Awards. Set a record, yeah. Which beat Hello Dolly's record of 10. Yeah. It wow. and Titanic of Broadway. ran forever and toured a few times. With like uh, even like they they kept really good actors and all those too. Yes, you didn't they did. see like understudies going in as Max and and uh, Leo. The LA you cast. saw really big actors yeah. taking over that role over and over and over again. Yeah. My favorite one though was the mythical one from uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm, where Larry David and David Schwimmer would have played. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, do, I, I do want to note that when the show came to LA, it was Jason Alexander yeah, as Bialystok and Martin yep. Short yeah. as yep. Leo Bloom. Uh, I will say also um, with all of those Tonys and everything like that, that um, the producers is responsible for half of Mel Brooks's EGOT <gasps> because he is one of the few people in Hollywood to fully EGOT. He yeah. owns 60% of the EGOT. <laughs> yeah, so Oscar, Tony, uh, Emmy, Grammy. Grammy. 
Emmy. That's right, because it did it did win Grammys for the the. I don't know. If, did it win a Grammy for the soundtrack? What was the Emmy that? It, um, the Emmy was. Oh, probably for probably for Getting else. Smart or for Show of Shows. Yeah, I know. He did, I don't think he got the Emmy for it. He, it? I know he was nominated. Wait. He was nominated for Golden Globes for it. Okay. Wait, is like it, isn't EGOT a hallucinogenic fungus? Shut up. You <laughs> betcha. It's yeah. Just, I get the two How come there's everything. no M in there? It's like nobody cares about the MTV Movie Awards. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or or EGOT with two T's for the Teen Choice Awards. <laughs> it, no, or, if you put the M at the end, it'll be weird. He got them. Because he did. He got all of them. What's wrong with EPGOT? People's Choice Awards, everybody. That's People's brilliant, Sean. That's F-got. brilliant. So it was 2005. 2005 is when the producer's movie came out. No, no, I'm saying 2005 is the year that David saw the producers for the first time in his life. Uh (laughs) Saw it in San Francisco. Mm. Saw a live stage production. When you see the old ladies do a tap dance with their walkers, (laughs) it's brilliant. That's amazing. (laughs) When you see the dancers perform into a swastika and they have like the mirrors rise up so you can see them Mm -hmm. making the swastika, it's brilliant. So I fell in love with with the play. I fell in love with the musical and that's... So then the movie came out, and I was like, oh, Mom, let's go see it. It's going to be great. And then I fell asleep because it was the most boring movie I've ever seen in my you, life. Because you had already seen the stage show. I know. There was nothing different. It was just like the only redeeming thing about it was Lane and Broderick. Like the, and the, Thurman. Uma Thurman was awesome in that. That's true. Yeah. And Will Ferrell, I thought, was awesome <laughs> yes. in that. How can I shoot you if you keep moving around? I broke my leg. Um, I what broke I will say as a leg. is that was, this was also Susan Stroman's first film that she had directed. Right. So she pretty much did, tran- she intended to directly translate the show. And that, to, that to me, it was like, it, it, it lost its magic because it was literally just, there was nothing new about it. It was yeah. like, I'd seen it. You know, and I get that it's an old property, and so like I, I guess at the time I didn't understand. Maybe I should watch it again for a better appreciation. But at the time, it was just like. But that was the time when movies were really trying to do the whole uh, musical to film translation, like with Chicago and stuff like that, mm-hmm. right? right? So they were trying to get up, get on that train. I mean, I really felt that the this version of the producers was intended for people who couldn't go see the play. Eh, yeah, pretty much. That's, that's mm-hmm. how I felt about it, and yeah. that's why I appreciate it, because I have still never been able to see a live production of it. I mean, it might as well yeah, have been a stage recording. I was fucking heartbroken. Me and Brian were actually in Connecticut, and then I went in with my cousin Ryan to New York City while the producers was like in, early in its first run in 2001. And it was like, do we have time to go and or the money? Because I was a freshman in college and broke as fuck, and I was like, no. Instead, let's just go look at all this crazy, depressing 9-11 related shit because that had happened like two months before. Oh, Jesus Jesus Christ. Thanks, terrorists. You also ruined the producers for me. (laughs) Oh, God. I mean, a lot of people lost their lives and it's terrible and everything, but I never got to see the producers and it's your fault. You you joke, but a lot of shows closed after 9-11 because people just didn't want to go to the theater. I would think people would want to go more because they need more of an escape, but that doesn't... I do also think it's... One little fun piece of trivia too is that Stephen Weber, who was uh, Harker in Dracula Dead and Loving It, and took, he was in Wings, and he was in Wings, of course. And he was That's in Studio Sixty and Sunset Strip. Those Without all, Wings, we wouldn't have Tony Shalhoub or Thomas Hayden Church. But those all took. Put, <laughs> and you old. guys don't know who we're talking about right now, <laughs> unless you saw Spider-Man Three or Monk. Or <laughs> Are you done? 
Uh, no, no, I'm down. I had to interrupt you one more time. Sorry. Okay, go ahead. Those all take you away from the point that I was trying to get it. So he was in a previous Mel Brooks property, which was Dracula Dead and Loving It. And he took over the part of Leo Bloom uh, after Matthew Broderick left the, the show on Broadway. So Nice. So let's talk about the differences. That fell very flat. I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean, no, I mean, it's just, no, just Matthew Broderick He's like, had shut to the leave. fuck up. I have a great point. Matthew Broderick <laughs> had to happened. leave because he understands that his wife's goal is to still win a triple crown. And he's trying really hard <laughs> <laughs> to support her. She supported him through the thing. He, you know, <laughs> his only regret is he wasn't small enough to be the jockey that he could really. <laughs> Whatever. Sean. As much as people want to say shit about Sarah Jessica Parker, they all thought she was hot in Hocus Pocus. So. I, oh, Sean, yeah. Sean, thank you. Just, just, just yep. thank you for saying what was on I'll my take mind. You anyway, I love Sarah Jessica Parker. Come on, come on, I don't even care. Um, <laughs> I think. Come on, come on, come on. Jesus Christ. <laughs> We, I feel like we really need to talk about the differences here of what they what they did. So not only did they t- change the the time period on it, they really changed it for the musical theater audience. Um, whereas, Make it gay. Oh, keep which it gay. is what they basically did is they they kept it super gay. Um, so they, much so that they borrowed melodies from Lakasha Fa. Yeah, <laughs> and so the instead of um, you know casting this totally you know hippie actor they end up like saying okay well franz liebkin did such a good job like we'll make him the actual hitler and then you know right before opening he actually gets injured breaks both of his legs and then the director who has been completely flaming up to this point decides to just he says that he'll step in because he happens to know all the lines because of course he does and does the most flamingest gay stereotype as Hitler, which is... Heil me! Heil myself! Yeah. The, best, me. the best part is when he does like the Judy Garland, like, sitting on the edge of the sitting, stage. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and he's like, hey, everyone. I'm yes. German Ethel Marmon, don't you know? <laughs> I love that. He's just like... <laughs> He's like, I was just a poor boy, like just sitting on the edge of the stage, like no one more obscure. Got a call from the Reichstag, told me I was Führer, and like it just, and he like totally hands it up, and it's so funny. Um, but yeah, it's but it's a totally different tone. It's it really is for a more modern audience. It's like what was kind like what's kind of the 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 kitschy humor group of the time type thing not to say like we want to make fun of gay people so much as want to say like let's play up the stereotype yes kind of like how they're playing up the hippie stereotype in the last one they know who their audience is yeah um they also gays <laughs> nothing but gays they <laughs> it's a love letter to like gay patrons of the you know of the musical theater scene yes do um, you love musicals come on in sailor. I mean so what can... you're saying is if you're a gay hippie then the whole every every, every version no, you're a gay granny. Oh, <laughs> even yeah, better too. Um, well, and like even like when they're doing the keep a gay song, and he come and he calls in all of his, um, all of his crew to his work. Tech, he, his yeah. like his like choreographer who comes in and like slides down the banister and like flutters around, then turns to the side, and he's got like a giant bulge in his tights. <laughs> or the costume designer looks like Elton John. Yeah, and then the part where uh, this is the part where because at the time I was actually working as a lighting designer. Oh, Sarah. That everybody. 
everybody like turns oh, to yeah. me because like they're like, and the lighting designer, and it's a totally like stereotypical butch, butch lesbian. Keep it gay, keep it gay, keep it gay. And like everybody's looking at me, and I'm like, shut up, guys. <laughs> that um, was such a great call. It was so funny. Um, I love it. And then the other thing that they changed about this is that they gave Ula much more of a character. Um, she has her own song based yeah. on, like, Bialystok yelling out the window, if you got it, flaunt it. Right. And she does the whole song on that. She falls in love with Leo. They get married. They run away together and get married in Rio because um, Bialystok was going to take, <laughs> like, he ended up getting stuck. He was about to take the fall until Bloom comes back and, and takes the fall with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and they go to the prison together. Um, and the other difference is that instead of raising $1 million, they were raising two. They're counting yeah. for inflation. To bring it back to making fun of the gay stereotype, Carmen Gia. Oh, Carmen Gia. I, <laughs> he is introed in such the best way when he picks up the phone and says, Hello, the living room of renowned theatrical director Roger Debris in an elegant east side townhouse on a sunny Tuesday afternoon in June. <laughs> Who may I say is calling? <laughs> yes. Listen, you broken down old queen. He was drunk. He was hot. You got lucky. Don't ever call here again. <laughs> Who was that? Wrong number. <laughs> and I love the thing that they did. They did it in 19, the 1968 version and the 2005 part. And I love this because um, Carmen Gia was in that other scene, too. Um, it wasn't less of the the hissy drawn out thing as much with him. Um, it was m- almost more like a Vanity Warhol kind of Yeah, thing. kind of. I mean, there's there's the awkward scene, which actually was based on a real life experience that one of the producers of the movie had where um, in the 1968 version, like the guy had like this dude actually had a teeny tiny elevator in his house. And he had this awkward <gasps> oh moment where he was God, like crammed in a tiny elevator, elevator with this other scene. dude. So that in the, they put it in the scene in the movie where they actually constructed an elevator for the, and it was really super teeny tiny oh and it was zero months and Gene Wilder and the guy playing Carmen Gia, I can't remember his name, but it's a Greek actor who, uh, who was actually like really good friends with Anne Bancroft at the time. Nice. And the three of them were like crammed up in this teeny tiny little elevator and Zero Mostel really did have his <laughs> hand in an inappropriate place on the guy playing Carmen Gia, which made that whole scene even more awkward. Oh my <laughs> God. Uh, and so in the, so then in the 2005 version, like what I love is when he just walks into the room and he's like, Roger, we're not alone. <laughs> and kind of like playing up this whole like, kind of like sassy gay love relationship thing that they have yeah. going on. He yeah. says, I am Carmen Gia, Roger Dupree's common law associate. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, man. Oh, it totally reminded me of the uh, swastika armbands. Uh-huh. In the oh, original. God. Oh, they were walking May I take your with... coats, your hats, and your swastikas? <laughs> <laughs> because they had just come back from Franz Bleekens' house where they had to take the Siegfried Oath, yeah. which actually was written into the 1968 version but got cut, mm-hmm. but they put mm-hmm. it into right. the 2005 version. What, what, was, yeah. what was it that was his cover? Oh, yeah. We were going to a meeting and everyone was handing these out. Yeah. Ha-ha. I think you see <laughs> that Carmen just like stone <laughs> Um... Let's talk about the Franz Liebkin differences here. Oh, please. Because I love Kenny Mars. I think he did a great job. But if anybody was able to kind of play up the same idea, I think it was Will Ferrell. Yeah, Will Ferrell. I think he did a great job. So much to the point where if I think if they were to make a Young Frankenstein movie musical, I would cast Will Ferrell as uh, Inspector Kemp for the same reason. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. 
<laughs> he did a great job. Um, and also the the pigeons oh. in in the um, Adolf in the 2005 version, the the pigeons that he had all there, that kind of got incorporated into the musical number yeah, a little bit true. and stuff. Yeah. Uh, all done by Jim Henson's uh, Jim Henson's Creature Workshop. Yeah. Oh, Here's that's that. awesome. Where are you going? Argentina's dead me. <laughs> <laughs> there, there, where, where? <laughs> I my favorite line that they have in, in both versions for. The for France is <laughs> Hitler. There was a painter. He could paint an entire apartment in one afternoon. Two coats. Two coats. Two coats. <laughs> <laughs> it great. was so sentimental the way Kenny Mars did it, but the way Will Ferrell did it, I think that joke was unfortunately lost. Yeah, well, yeah, so Kenny Mars at that point, he was like, because they're both talking about the differences between Hitler and Winston Churchill. And, like, <laughs> and that's, that's the thing. No, like, that's the thing. Like, so... <laughs> Kenny Mars was kind of like whenever he's talking about Churchill, he's almost kind of like mocking him mm-hmm. and like all this other stuff. And then whenever it was talking about Hitler's Hitler, like all kind of flowery mm-hmm. and and Will Ferrell doesn't make that transition quite as well. Yeah, I don't even think it's in his wheelhouse. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Still, it was a pretty faithful tribute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Son of a bitch. It's like life. Sarah said earlier. It's just really for people that couldn't see the stage show to have something. Yeah. Right. It seemed yeah. like especially like. From what I heard about the chemistry with um, Nathan Lane and Matthew Broderick, it seemed like that they had gotten exhausted of it by the time that the movie. I don't, so, I don't know. I loved their interactions. That that whole apartment scene, like to me, mm. it's almost like if you can not see. Nazi, <laughs> Nazi. Uh, <laughs> if there's only if, there, <laughs> if there's only two parts of the movie that you have time to watch, <laughs> it's the initial apartment scene when they first meet, and the actual springtime for Hitler musical. Yeah, in both versions, because those are really just the biggest laugh riot highlights totally. of the whole oh, yeah. thing. Absolutely. So the blue I, blankie. I, I, this is the blue blankie. And I mean, and the difference between, I don't know. I, there is a very interesting difference oh. between um, Gene Wilder, and Matthew Broderick's portrayal. Yeah. But then at the same time, I see so many parts where Matthew Broderick like really draws into, to Gene Wilder, which is the whole, like, I'm what? <laughs> and I'm still hysterical. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I'm in pain. I'm in pain. I'm, I'm wet. But and I'm still hysterical. But like the, the you're going to jump on me. <laughs> you're going to jump on me. Okay. One of the best callbacks in the 2005 version was in the Springtime for Hitler production. Mm-hmm. The Mel Brooks cameo. Yes. Oh, yeah. Don't yes, be stupid. Just... Be a smarty. Come and join the, the Nazi, Nazi party. party. So they tur- did the same dub. It was the best. So because it was... It was a joke from the 1968 yeah. version why they put it in that that the actor that was doing that scene that little line in the musical in the 1968 version when they're doing the the play within the movie um Mel Brooks was just got so frustrated this guy could not do the line right and it just doesn't sound right wow. I can't it just isn't working so he's like I'm just going to do it I can't even And so it so basically took a Jew to do a German <laughs> accent well, he didn't really do a German accent. It just sounds like Mel Brooks. And so he just kind of dubbed it over for the for the movie. Yeah, because if it was doing a German, it would have been schmarty. <laughs> Don't be stupid. Be a schmarty. Come and join the Nazi party. <laughs> and then... You still in- like Kim Jong-il. <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. And gold member. Hello. Hello. <laughs> My name is Adolf Hitler. And, then and uh, I'm a very bad person. <laughs> 
<laughs> You're breaking my bones. <laughs> my teeth is very small. Nobody has ever accepted my art. <laughs> we have Eric Berwin. Eric Berwin. You're breaking my bones. Strangely enough, one of the Berwins was still integral in the, the Nazi party. <laughs> and so in the 2001 musical, when they started doing it, they thought, well, wouldn't it be funny if we put in Mel Brooks's voice? And now in every single production you see of the producer's musical, it is Mel Brooks's voice oh, during that part. Doing that's so dirty, Stupid, be a smarty. Um, and this is a little tidbit for Eric, who has not seen the movies. <laughs> Until later. Until later. Because I'm definitely watching it. When you, yeah. when you go to see the, the 2005 version, when you get around to it, the musical version, um, the Aryan poster boy child in the musical portion of, of Springtime for Hitler, the guy who's basically the soloist going out there saying Springtime for Hitler, yeah, is a eyed. very blonde haired, blue eyed Captain Jack Harkness. No oh, is that John Barrowman? That is John Barrowman. No. What? Yes. So I'm, oh, hi, Dave. I'm, I'm morally against musicals. Um, morally against? <laughs> morally? Morally? Brian, Brian, you remember how you suggested that Martha and I watch uh, Les Miserables, the movie musical? Oh, God. Well, that's not the one you want that's to start That was my with. first Thurman musical one, That's ever. a happy date night. Yeah. And it was one of the worst experiences of my life. Yeah, yeah, I never yeah. told you no, that. That's um, not one. If you're not into musicals, that's not the musical you should watch. No. If you're not really into musicals, we should you you know it should be something that the content is still hilarious, like the producers. Wait, do, okay, I just want to know: Do they sing every single line? No, no, no. it's not like that. Then I'm willing to watch it. No, no, no. Les Mis Rob is an opera. That's the other funny. Thing, is it's pretty Les much an opera. Connection. It's not really a musical. Uma se. Thurman is in the straight drama version of Les, Les Mis Rob. Yeah, she, she plays uh, Fontaine in that. Oh, I've seen that, and I actually with, quite enjoyed that. She yeah. was great. The, the moment yeah. Liam Neeson. Liam yeah. Neeson up one, in the, the house with this giant cock swinging around, just like France and. Shit! <laughs> <laughs> I just I didn't understand why everyone was singing everything. They don't do that in this one. No, There's no. muck because in the yes. street and blood. Yeah, I didn't know this, Eric. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's historically the accurate that the French cannot actually emote through speaking. They can only. Like, <laughs> Is that why my grandfather was always singing at me? That makes sense. Right? Yep. It's it's like a traditional musical. Like there's dialogue and then it leads up like. They'll be like, hey, that reminds me of this. And then the music picks up and they're like, okay. I'm singing a song about what we're talking about. I'm sorry. I just, I, I mostly just want to remind people that I was still on this episode. Go ahead. Yeah. David McGuire explains how musicals work <laughs> to everybody. I'm singing a song about what we're talking about. So, What's happening now is happening inside the song. So in the traditional nerdonomy or nerds on film fashion, is it too soon to talk about a uh, possible recasting? Mm. And is there any chance Chang Tatum to make an appearance? <laughs> Wait, which All right, this is going to sound really weird. Chang Tatum is Kanye Ula. West. Okay, Kanye West no. is Max stock. No! <laughs> I think okay. if we're going to Wait, wait, them. wait, wait, wait. I'm not done yet. Andy Samberg as Leopold. No. <laughs> if we're going to cast, I think we should cast the movie, not the musical. Are we casting the, the 1968 or the 2005? Mm, good point. Those are different. Okay. Let's say 1968. I'm like Because that way it won't just narrow it down to somebody who we know can also sing. Okay. It's not Russell uh, I think, honestly, I think, uh, no joke. I think Channing Tatum actually might be a, a decent Leo Blue. No. Channing Tatum and Jonah Hill in no. The no. Producer. No. 21 Producer Street. Seth Bitches. Rogen plays fucking Hans Liebkin or Franz Liebkin. No. 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 I don't think he can do a German <laughs> accent to save his life. James Franco. No, I'd say for Leo Bloom, Bill Hader. 
Bill Hader would be good. Bill Hader. Nice. I think uh, he's do it. For, for Leo, that's all. Horatio Sands. Oh, oh, that's musical hard. version. Tenacious D plays the lead character. Horatio uh. Sands as Max Bialystok if Bill Hader's going to be Bloom. That actually this is an SNL recasting. This isn't, no. I mean, so? You guys are all picking us. All right, it's 2015, okay? You know who it should be? Kate McKinnon! Right, Max Bialystok. Yeah, exactly. Max <laughs> Bialystok is played by uh, M- Melissa McCarthy. <laughs> and. Well, no, Sean, you realize that. played by either Kristen Wiig or Kate McKinnon. I'll go with either. John Hamm uh, and Ula. Tatum can be Ula. The way that, the way that Hollywood is, is that there would be two. There's obviously going to be two versions, right? So I think you're right. We have to do a female version hey, and we have to do a Sarah, are version. you yeah. feeling anything in the chest area? If it tingled, then we might have predicted the future again. I, it's not tangling. Damn it. God it's not damn it. Tangling. Dave, oh. sorry. I would say um, I like the idea of Bill Hader. I think Horatio mm. Sands would be a great uh, playoff of that for Ula. Emma Stone. <sighs> too much of a name. Mm. She, she's too young. I think I mean, she's it, too young. Admit it. At the, if we're doing the 1968 version, and she she's doesn't too Asian, have much apparently. of a role. Yeah. She, oh, yeah. You could just you could just cast a model in the 1968 Fox. Oh, there you go. Yeah, the just a pair of tits that can. Walk yeah, around. actually, that and then she'll yeah. hawk that game of war or whatever the fuck that thing was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Come on, oh no wait, no, 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 no. Remember, we're recasting this 2015 style, so Ula would be a dude. Chris Hemsworth. Oh yeah. If it's, it's that a, butt mold. If okay. we're, you know, why? Why can't it be? It could be. Why can't it? it why can't it be day of the way, Brian? <laughs> it can't. <laughs> you're about to go down that way of saying you're that you're cut you know, off, Dave. You. It, it, it can be. I mean, Brian, I think what he's trying to say is the two women would never be smart enough to put this scheme together, right? <laughs> <laughs> Brian, isn't that what you're saying, Brian? <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> I'm just Ron, kidding. What are you saying? <laughs> <laughs> See, this is this don't is why I don't stupid. talk on this show. Marty, come and join the feminist party. Go get a cup of coffee right now. Um, I personally would cast. Uh, I would cast Mark Hamill as, as Max, <laughs> and and Carrie Fisher as Leo. <laughs> but Carrie Fisher from like 2005. Oh. So not much of a difference, Carrie Fisher. Not really. <laughs> we talking probably like, like you know less medicated Carrie Fisher. Yeah. Pre rehab. Yeah. I actually I don't Simon even know if she's that medicated anymore. Loose I just know it's a all long doped time up, of medication. Almost to the point she was in the holiday special, Carrie Fisher. Yeah, <sighs> that's what I'm talking about. Cokehead Carrie Fisher in Empire. Yeah. yeah. All right. I would say that honestly, uh, and maybe this is just the cop out answer, but because cop out. Because we're trying to do the 68 version, that movie is so firmly burned into my memory for how it's done. Unless there was a newer version of that script that was done. It's a fantasy, Brian. I could No, I, but seriously. <laughs> well, I, that being said, playing with the fantasy of it and me not being in that creative of a state to be able to imagine how they could change it to do different actors... I'm kind of struggling with trying to figure I'm, out who... I'm you know what, Brian? You know what that sounds we're, like to me? It sounds like out. to me that Bruce Willis and Tracy oh, yeah, Morgan should be in it because it's a cop-out. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm having a hard time with this, too. And also, I mean, I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around, like, okay, if it's the newer version, then does that make the writer who was part of the Nazi party actually just really, really old? Like, you'd have to have, like, a really old Franz Liebkin at this yeah. point. Like, yeah. <laughs> so I'm kind of like or Max you keep von it, Or you keep... Mm. <laughs> or you keep it. We're talking in, like Ian McKellen uh, and apt pupil, like really yeah. old Nazi. 
If it was now and it was the musical, you know Josh Gad would be thrown into that. Josh Gad. Oh. Mm. Yeah, Olaf. Yeah. Olaf would be thrown in there. Well, I mean, not just Olaf, but fucking Book of Mormon, so. Yeah, and that yeah. dude, the guy that's the lead for Book I of mean, Mormon. I mean, this guy knows how to do offensive musicals, so. And I'm pretty sure that if we were to do the musical and it's 2015 and we're looking at musical people... They're going to be like, oh, Dina Menzel, you can be Ula. But then, like, the script's going to be changed, and it's going to be all about Ula. The girl that they had, um, <laughs> dude, the, the lady who did um, the original cast, Katie Huffman, I think it was. Felicity. No, not Felicity Huffman. No. I know, well, yeah, I it was Felicity right. Huffman. No, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Huffman, was, Huffman was the last name. It's, I know the first name was Katie, so there was we go. Was it Felicity? Yeah. was Ka- Carrie Russell? No. She flipping killed it on the soundtrack because mm-hmm. I haven't seen it in real life. But she killed it on the soundtrack and um, I liked her better than Uma Thurman because um, Uma, Thur- Uma Thurman doesn't really, really Uma sing. Thurman is like the the female equivalent to Johnny Depp in musicals. Like, yeah, she doesn't really uh, sing. Not that good. Yeah. <laughs> she had a great body. Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, really and well. she... She's got and she was like, days. And she was yeah. super fun to watch on screen and she like played the, the dumb Swedish thing like really really well but i love the part where she just like goes to like oh like ula make audition (laughs) and then she like goes and then just hits the one key on the piano and then all of a sudden the like music picks up and she's only hit one key and they're like looking around like where the hell the music go (laughs) i liked when she was eating her breakfast and she was just like and they were like breakfast and she goes that many different herrings oh well like yeah she's like i still say that to this day when they're like what did you have for breakfast i'm like many Many different herrings and nobody gets it (laughs) although we are sitting down we are or sure you you are getting, getting a standing, standing ovation, ovation. Oh, yeah. and then they just cross their legs. I like Ula's uh, full name. It reminds me much of my own. Oh, which what, what's your last name, honey? Or what's your first name, honey? That is my first name. Do you want would my last like, name? Would you like to we hear don't my have last time. name? It was uh, Ula Inga Hansen Swanson Tallen. Something. Uh, I lost it. I lost it. You almost uh, had it, Sarah. Thank you for trying. I know. Johnny, let's tell her what she what she could have won. <laughs> what she lost. <laughs> but they were like, "Here's your dignity. It's gone." <laughs> Where they said there was a joke about like her her having her name in lights, and they're like they'd run out of space or something like that. Oh, here it is. Uh, Ula Ingen, Ula Inga Hansen Benson Janssen Tallen Holland Svaden Swanson Bloom after she got married. Uh, <laughs> spoilers. <laughs> so it's slightly shorter than mine is what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> Well, awesome stuff, guys. Yep, 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 yep. All right, shall we get to listen to listener feedback? Yeah. Fuck yeah, motherfucker. Listener feedback. Yeah. All right, we got uh, something from... Well, hold on. We haven't talked about this yet, but one of our first listeners who's been one of our most engaged listeners, Brett, has got a new podcast that he started because he said that he was inspired by us. It's called When Nerds Get Old, and their company, I think, is called Nerd Couch. I'm not still 100% on what it is. Yeah, I think it's that. I listened to a f- couple of the most recent episodes, and it looks like they're really finding their niche, and it's it's really funny. You guys should check it out. Brett, you're doing a great job. Just keep working at it. Woohoo! Go, Thank Brett! Thank you, Brett, for Brett. being awesome and doing your own thing and yes. branching out. Yeah, and, it was, yeah, and it's totally. awesome because he did the last episode that I just listened to, they were talking a whole lot about video games and the Konami uh, thing with I forget what's his name Hideki something from uh, the, from Konami that that whole thing with the video game awards a lot of awesome analysis there on that they also like the great thing was they actually talked about atmosphere 
They uh-huh. talked about atmosphere, the rapper, and because nice. they went to the Rhyme Sayers like thing in Minneapolis, where, oh. that was just a huge Rhyme Sayers event. And I was like, damn, they're even nerdy about fucking underground Minnesota hip hop music. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. That's that is really really awesome. Yeah. Nice. Um, Gina sent us this thing. Damn, um, Gina. Back in damn, December. Gina. Damn it, Gina! It's I never to do the it. holidays, but I thought it'd be worth mentioning on the Facebook. She says, uh, the latest addition to my Christmas decorations, because why be at the mercy of creepy, cherub-faced elf on the shelf when you could have the intimidating visage of a Darth on the hearth? Yeah. Thought it, this would be a crowd that would get a laugh out of it. Happy holidays. And she sent us a picture of a baby, a, basically a bobblehead Darth Vader wearing a Santa hat next to her, like, Santa mm-hmm. Claus decorations at her, um... On her mantle her or whatever. Fireplace. That's mantle. awesome. Elf on a shelf uh, is a horrible thing. It is! Know. This, guy's, this might be a bit children. late in the season, but we did get a voicemail <gasps> from one of our listeners. Oh, yeah. And he has this to say. Hi, nerds. This is Jacob. I sent several emails in the past. And I just wanted to thank you guys. Just want to wish you guys a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And may all your next year be bright and wonderful. Can't wait to hear from you guys again. Thanks. Oh, Jacob! Yay. That's awesome! Thank you so nice. much, Jacob, for that absolutely lovely, lovely message. Yeah. I do have one suggestion. I think it doesn't have nearly enough swearing for nerds on film, but thank you. Yeah. For yeah. The Fuck yeah, more fucking swearing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you should yeah. Main the two big C's, yeah, okay? Cunt. Cock and cunt. Well, we've also, I mean, we got a lot of feedback to catch up on, and since we didn't do any last one, but we did get this weird one that I need to explain, and I don't know who the hell this guy thinks he is, but we should probably listen to that, too. It's hi. My name is Leon Phelps, and I was wondering... The two girls that you have on the show, one's name is Sarah, the other the name is Roxy. I mean, I was wondering if you were ever planning on posting, you know, like pictures of the butts or something <laughs> on Instagram. So, you know, please tell me whether that's a plan or whether you would like me to film it or be there just for, like, moral support. <laughs> and, uh, me, thank you very much. Yay, Leon! Oh, Leon. <laughs> that was incredible. I, I, I gotta that say, guy's I a think... fucking dick. I think I think when we get to that point in our career, we will need the moral support to actually show butts. And uh, I'm yeah, glad we but have no, how there. dare he objectify I Sarah mean, and Roxy, especially after the fucking conversation we had on the last episode, and especially after we're definitely going to try to cast Melissa McCarthy and fucking Kate Winslet. Kate Winslet? No, uh, Kate Winslet. <laughs> Kate Winslet. I mean, the new producers. I just Jesus, think, Leon. Jesus. I just think it's a little weird that he wants like pictures of our used cigarette butts like it just oh. makes no sense to me that but wow, you know, hey, whatever Eric. whatever gets <laughs> you wow, off wow. <laughs> just, you know I'm, I'm offended that i wasn't objectified Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well you know me guys i'm all for the butts sarah just had to make a pun for you <laughs> <laughs> this was a punless eric episode punless eric <laughs> i'm so ashamed what is, are you sick I'm tired. Uh, we did four children. I have four goddamn children. <laughs> we I think it, uh, you know, I hear in Croatia that puns are considered very insulting. So I think when we release the uh, podcast episodes, then I'm going to bleep those instead of the bad words. <laughs> uh, I do want to say uh, we did get some feedback from Bob. Bob. Bob's Bob. Burgers? What bad. about Bob? Bob. Well, His Bob. name was Robert. Bobber? His name was Robert Paulson. Paulson. Bob was the guy who su- gave us a bunch of suggestions for the karaoke episode. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Uh, so he said, uh, his subject is Bing Crosby. Uh-oh. 
<laughs> uh, hi, lewd nerdtastic people. Thank you for this podcast. And if you are ever looking to recruit, I'm willing to audition. Oh. Uh, wanted to say that your version of Bing Crosby was awesome. I especially liked how everyone stopped busting Brian's balls and joined in to sing. It was gooey and heartwarming. Please don't do it again. <laughs> <laughs> this is what we keep telling Brian. Uh, people with resentment and hate live longer, so stop it. I want to live for decades to come. Right. Uh, he also did give us some very warm holiday wishes. Um, but he also wanted to say, you know, in addition to you know, Hanukkah, Christmas, or Kwanzaa, or Lucifer, um, <laughs> to, you know, don't forget our true Lord and Savior, Cthulhu. Yeah! Yep. Right! So, I'm a huge advocate. Darn, I'm sorry we missed you during totally. the holiday season. Um, so, uh, we well, got to have a holiday episode for next year. Yes, indeed. We actually have a lot more feedback for... Um, nerds on history than we do for nerds on film why you always gotta rub that in us nerds on film people's fucking faces when you're over here and also what, he said it not me why, uh, i'm just fucking with oh, you i'm just here's a question i know that there's a majority on um oh. as from this past november uh it says listening to the backlog of nerds on film i just heard eric's message about a nerd meetup at the rosicrucian egyptian museum oh we talked about we read that one already on if you listen to, to Nerds it, on though. History, you would know. Yeah, so we were talking Sorry. about this, throwing it out there. We, we put a petition yeah, out done. there. This is actually a good oh. place to, to start wrapping it up, too. Um, we put a petition out there for the on Nerds on History. We'll put it on Nerds on Film, too. If you guys are interested in potentially doing another tour of the Rosicrucian Yeah, Egyptian we've got Museum. a van, we got a, a bathtub full of ice, and we need some kidneys, so <laughs> come on out, guys. Oh, candy. yeah, Dave didn't drink all of the Bill Cosby cocktails earlier. Either, so. <laughs> I'm willing to share. I don't think Dave knows what a museum is. This is fun. <laughs> yeah, just, just look for the <laughs> white... Is it where people touch you inappropriately? Well, no? It can be. It can be. <laughs> just, just look for the white, unmarked van that says Puppy Van in the license plate. <laughs> I want to see some more feedback that says pop, that people like Papa D being back on the show sometimes. Papa D has a very sensitive... Sometimes, story. Dave. This has um, been a few in a row. Sometimes. I'm just, I'm waiting, just saying. I'm waiting for the hate mail that... No one understands why I'm here. <laughs> the son of a bitch hasn't even watched any of the movies. Just tell him to go away. So, no joke. He brought up those fucking sharks again. No joker. One of my old one of my old roommates. I, I was talking to her, but we we're like, I was like talking about like, oh yeah, we went to go see Star Wars, and everybody was there, and Eric was there, and blah blah. blah. And one of my old roommates was like, Eric, Eric, why is that name really familiar? I'm like, he was one of the he's one of the podcast guys, and she's like. Wait, the Nerds on History one who comes on sometimes? Nerds on film? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I think I remember hearing him once or twice. <laughs> I'm just like, and I was like, why don't you listen to Nerds on History, you jerk? <laughs> because you don't say fuck. Uh, that's true. It's we so do say fuck. We just bleep it out. Yeah, I just think true. it's really funny because all of our friends who listen to our stuff listen to Nerds on film. <laughs> but Because when we say history, everyone's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Whenever, then, because they get horrible flashbacks and sweats. Because of high school history yeah. class. Uh-huh. And they don't know how awesome Nerds on History That's is. That's not true. John, John, I know you're out there. John loves me. He listens to <laughs> me all it, the time but it at is work really, it, and John's on the, the podcast. But it's, yeah, the friends listen to Love Nerds you, on Film, 
but the actual bigger listener base of randos That's out there. That's because people sometimes are nerds think on this history. Is, this is yeah, so why the fuck are we doing an ad essentially for nerds on history on the less popular podcast? Why can't you guys talk about fucking nerds on film on the history? <laughs> yeah, we, we do. do sometimes. So there is some. All oh, right, there's uh, another show. Oh yeah, you're like, oh, too. we said this uh, on nerds on film. <laughs> that was the the three quarters of a second that it was devoted. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. We're diverting. I'm gonna put a call of action out to our listeners. Help us crack this motherfucking code here how do we get our history listeners to listen to nerds on film and get our film friends to listen to nerds on history and also there how do we get this... it so that when brian says motherfucker well, it doesn't say you start kidnapping kids and pets is what you need to fucking Come do little children i'll take you away into a land of enchantment you following up with that after i say the word motherfucker is david's got bill cosby cocktails he's put into yeah, i got the drink for you boxes. and you're gonna like it puppy van <laughs> <laughs> we exchange tidy whities for ice cream uh so if you uh, guys oh, oh, Akbar. Akbar. i got an akbar. akbar you got an akbar and a throw up akbar. in my throat oh, oh shit. Shit in the back. sarah keep going brian i'm ashamed <laughs> i feel like i need to say that ever again go ahead i'd fuck me hard <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> so if you like ice cream and want to part with your underwear, you can find us on social media. You gotta say that at the end of every episode from now on. You have to so say that. compliments of Buffalo Bill Moriarty. <laughs> you have to say that every episode forever. And if you don't, I will cut that in every single time. We are real. We we no, only I like just, great big fat. Girls. My the, I try to like if I can I I want to try I like try to like see if I could like seg it in with something really fucking weird that we already <laughs> said, but this one was just too good. Um, you can reach us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Just search for Nerdonomy, or you can go to nerdonomy.com, click that talk to us button, and send us an email. We'd love to hear from you. You can also find our contact information for uh, reaching us at our P.O. box, or you can leave us a voicemail like you heard. It's actually super duper fun for everybody. It's amazing. Um, it's like one of the best features we've had on the show. Um, <laughs> next to Roxy. And so <laughs> the best thing, though, that you guys can do for us is to uh, talk to your friends and tell us all about the podcast. And you can um, do that by giving a review on iTunes. You can share our shit. You can repost. You can like Play things. it for your kids. But Whatever going the hell it is that people do on social media these days, I don't really yeah. know. They bitch about their lives. Yeah, I mean, I'm a big fan of doing like sidewalk chalk advertising. <laughs> so if you guys want to try that, skywriting, that skywriting's rad too. Mm -hmm. So give it a shot. Spread oh, the word. Mass or... propaganda papering like we do on, on North Korea. Yeah. Yes. Why Nerdonomy is the best podcast ever and why you should yeah. be listening to it instead yeah. of NPR. If we, fact, if we subjected Nerdonomy to North Korea, they would have surrendered. Yes, yeah, all hail Supreme Leader Brickmont. <laughs> <laughs> Fun fact, Sean does not actually poop. Oh, no, he doesn't. Nope. You tell me my boy don't pee or poop? No, he's like... He's, <laughs> he's kind of like an owl. He just regurgitates the pieces that can't be digested. Wow. wow. Oh. That got weird. It actually all just kind of oozes out of my pores. <laughs> Slowly but stinky. Oh, I'm gagging. Stop, stop. Yeah, I'm tasting bile. It is that time, nerd. So until we meet again. This uh, is the episode that never ends. Because people don't <laughs> fucking stop talking. Jesus.
Uh, I forgot one more thing. We're looking, we're Sarah, looking for a Sarah girl who's strong sprayed, enough to get a couch in a van. Are you a size fourteen? Sarah just sprayed water on Dave, and he's starting to melt. So we have to be, we have to get out of here really quick. Um, Sorry. So, uh, so it is that time, nerd. So until we meet again, stay nerding into an indoor next exciting episode. Same nerd time, same nerd channel. Nerdonomy.com. Bye. See ya. Peace. I'm not coming back. (laughs) (laughs) And roll credits. And now, famous movie quotes you should not say during sex. I'm in pain, I'm wet, and I'm still hysterical! (laughs) 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 What else is new? Sex stuff.